Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Lion of Vienna Suite podcast. My name is Tom Jenkins. This is episode 165, and we are back up and running for the 2021-2022 season. Over the coming weeks, we'll be recording the podcast to cover our pre-season games, and we'll also bring you our annual season preview podcast, where we will look ahead to Bolton's upcoming season in Skybet League One. There's all of that to come in the near future, but to kick off this new season, we have a very special guest joining us. On the 30th of June 2021, Bolton Wanderers released their accounts for the financial year ending 30th of June 2020, the first year that football ventures have been in charge at the club. As has been well documented in all forms of media in recent years, the club has had huge financial difficulties due in large part to Ken Anderson's disastrous tenure as the club's owner. As such, this release was met with huge interest from supporters as we were allowed to get our first glimpse into how football ventures and Sharon Britain have been tackling the issues left by the Anderson regime. If you're an accounting or business finance novice like myself, you may have found looking at the information presented in these accounts daunting. Therefore, we thought there could be no better guest to have on the show to dis- discuss Bolton's current financial state than the author of the hugely popular book, The Price of Football, co-host of the podcast of the same name with comedian Kevin Day. A huge welcome to Kieran Maguire. Kieran, a rather lengthy intro, so I apologise for that. But thank you so much for joining us to talk football finance. Well, thanks very much for the uh, the invite, Tom, and I look forward to it. Uh, it's it's normally I'm, I'm the equivalent of the Grim Reaper whenever I get invited onto a podcast <laughs> or a radio podcast, show. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think today is 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 going to be one of my happier, more enjoyable <laughs> occasions. So so I'm really looking forward to it. I think we all are. Yeah, I think if you if you looked when we announced that you were coming on on Twitter, we got a lot of questions, and obviously I think because of the Anderson regime, quite a lot of um, there's a lot of trepidation when it comes to Bolton and finance among the fans. So it would be good to have you on to to sort of go through the the accounts with us, or go through the the highlights certainly, and just you know maybe allay some fears that we might be having about you know quite a lot of debts that seem to be. Rac- um, so j- just just to get into it, um, as I said before, right, uh, wrote the price of football uh, in 2020, co-host the podcast the same name, also uh, a fellow University of Manchester alumnus. So it's it's, it's good to be uh, speaking to you on that front as well. Yes. Senior teacher in yep. accounting and finance at the University of Liverpool Management school it's uh it's quite a resume you've got there in terms of to be an expert in this particular field well i i i don't think i'm an expert you know i'm i'm, I'm just a football fan with a big calculator uh and, and sort of you know living living 40 years of my life in manchester being a brighton fan when, when you're traveling down by train to every home match at a season ticket i just had to do something to occupy myself because you just end up going crazy so i just started messing around with with a spreadsheet and football club accounts and and then it sort of people seem to think i know a lot more than i do which and i, and I don't i don't tell them the truth that I'm a, I'm a complete i'm a complete fraud and a chancer although that that brings the courses on to uh, ken anderson <laughs> yeah so it's a nice way to introduce yourself on the podcast i big you up as an expert and you call yourself a chancer my word <laughs> it's not gonna be not gonna be an awful lot of insight is there if, if, they, if that's the case but i'm, I'm sure doing yourself a, a complete uh dis- service but you're correct we can't talk about Bolton we can't talk about finance without talking about Ken Anderson um on Twitter in the past you've compared him to, to David Brent I think one of the tweets that I thought was was hilarious when I was going back and researching this was um basically with the for, the former controlling company of Bolton Wanderers which is now controlled by Lawrence Bassini which was Inner Circle Investments you described as a bit like swapping syphilis for gonorrhea <laughs> I mean it's let's be honest one of the worst um, rogue owners to be in charge of um, a, a football club and it was almost replaced by someone who was it was equally on the same level it, it was a very very dangerous time to be a Bolton fan with those two chances potentially taking over 
Yes, and sort of joking aside, I think it does indicate the challenges that there are when it comes to the governance of, of, of the game that we love. Uh, you've only just got to look at the, the report which came from the administrators of the old co, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, I, I used to do that job. You know, I, I, used to, uh, I used to work for an insolvency practice and um, you're always very diplomatic in in what you would say about people because you know running a company can often catch people out and uh they uh that they can struggle as a result of it and, and and many companies have gone to the wall with owners who have got the best of intentions for the organization uh you cannot say that with regards to ken anderson his uh, his involvement in bolton wanderers from day one was one of pure self-interest and uh, the, the the delays and uh, misfeasances uh, under under him, and the, the fact that his his main focus was to uh, uh, maximise his return uh, at, uh, at, the, at the at the loss of everybody else's, uh, is something which uh, you know the fans of Bolton Wanderers, but also the, the employees. People have lost jobs. People have people have gone unpaid. Um, he he. He did inherit uh, a, a club which had struggled. Uh, and I think we've, we've also got to uh, point the finger here at Sean Harvey, who uh, seemed full of praise for uh, Ken Anderson. For, for oh, I was going to say, yeah, you, you just yeah, well, he described Ken Anderson as doing a great job and should be remembered for it. Well, he's certainly remembered for it. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, when, when Sean Harvey left the EFL, with a five hundred and eleven thousand uh, pound goodbye, which was uh, that, that's that's paid for by all of the AFL clubs. Uh, perhaps perhaps other people think he did a fantastic job, but uh, I, I, I struggle to find football fans who who share those views. And I and I did put a long summary of his achievements up on Twitter uh, when when uh, when he left uh, using the uh, using the the hashtag. Well, you know, using the the title Sean Harvey appreciation thread, which got short turns hmm. to uh, hashtag SHAT, which, which then became trending on Twitter. <laughs> and and there was lots of, there was lots of confusion from people uh, on, on the opposite side of the Atlantic to say, is, is this for real? Um, and I said, yes, it was as, as I watched my professorship sail out of the window uh, <laughs> in terms of getting a professional promotion at work. But it, oh, right. but it, but it, it seemed like a good giggle at the time. Yeah, so the the price you pay for the truth. It's one, right. one of those things, I suppose. <laughs> oh dear, but no, I think um, obviously Anderson gave him got in the end got a, a two hundred thirty-seven thousand pound payoff by the administrators um, as part of the deal to save the club, which you know seems probably was a pittance compared to what he wanted, but it, it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth, doesn't it? Seeing that he's walked away with that money, although I think. We, we, recently again it's one of one of your tweets um was it another one of his companies got wound up in the last year or something like that so i don't think he's doing particularly well out of out of that particular deal well remember we are talking about an individual who was banned by the uk authorities from being a director of any company for a period of i think it was either six or eight years which i think is, it was eight which is, yeah, maximum, it was eight. is it not yeah um which is uh you know from a from a sort of a, a white collar crime perspective, is is about as serious uh, as as you can get. But uh, you know, as far as the EFL 
was concerned. Ken Anderson, come on down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, c- come and take over a football club when you've when there's indications that historically your behaviour has been absolutely appalling and manipulative. Uh, but you know, as far as the EFL are concerned, that's not an issue. Uh, again, you know, the the list of issues with Anderson is is pretty much. Endless. I think paid himself a five hundred twenty-five thousand consultancy fee. His son, I think, pocketed one hundred twenty-five thousand um, for wearing the the club's kit free of, of charge. Apparently, the Forest Green incident with Christian Doidge um, not paying for the, uh, the the transfer fee that was agreed upon when he was loaned to Bolton from, from Forest Green Rovers. You know, the, the the list is endless. But do you think that any lessons have been learned in the aftermath of this? Um. Unfortunately not. You've only got to uh, turn your attention to what we have seen, first of all, at Charlton Athletic, who were taken over in January 2020 by a couple of individuals and uh, they lasted six months. And uh, you you just 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 Google, just just Google their owners. Uh, Just talk talk to Charlton fans, uh, uh, you know, Range Rovers being you know, rented on the uh, uh, on on the club's account. Uh, very nice apartments uh, being uh, used near the ground by by the by. Well, for the club's for the club's benefit, yeah, but I don't think I think it was tend to be restricted to one or two people from the club. Um, and uh, you know, Char- Charlton were were fortunate they were taken over in in due course. Uh, but yeah, that they, they they suffered badly. We then have the. Uh, the farce that was Wigan Athletic, where they they were run they were run under a very tight ship under under Dave Dave Whelan. Um, Dave, uh, I think, you know, due to his health and due to his age, and uh, he he tried to find new owners, and on uh, on the back of that, it was acquired by a company called IEC in Hong Kong. Who who ran uh, who ran Wigan for eighteen months and didn't appear to have much of a clue. Uh, you know the, the losses started accelerating. Uh, they they then mysteriously sold it to uh, a gentleman called Al Young, um, and uh, two weeks later he put the club into administration, ha- having just bought the club for th- you know, in theory having just bought the club for thirty million pounds. Yeah, you know, when when was the last time that you? It's, it's like it's, it's like buying a swimming pool and two weeks later boarding it over. You know, it, what on earth was going on? And uh, the EFL said, well, you know, we, we, we thought he was okay. Um, and, and I do, and I do genuinely feel for the EFL because they, they have to have good faith and we were operating in a, um, uh, you know, in, in a COVID environment. And, and again, if uh, you know, people look at the YouTube clip of, of, of Rick Parry's talking to a fan who was, you know, he was filming it. Rick Parry didn't know, and, and Rick Parry saying, oh, "I think it was something to do with a gambling debt in in the Far East." Well, that doesn't reflect particularly well uh, on on. You'd on like the to know, wouldn't you? You'd like a bit of due diligence done by the EFL on these particular things. The Chilino incident, you know, all, all, all the the farce that happened around him rings true. My, my dad always likes to use the uh, the analogy of um, if Al Capone wanted to buy a football club, then he'd be absolutely fine because, of course, he's got the necessary funds to do so. Yeah, it doesn't matter where the money's come from. On, but you know we're just going to let him do it because he's got the money. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, in in defence of the EFL, um, and, and I think it is well known that they and I don't have the best of relationships. 
Um, it, it is a very difficult job and they do have restricted resources. And football, uh, when it comes to wrong ones, is, is, like is like a flame to a moth. It just, it just attracts them. Um, and and we are seeing that, you know, Derby County over the course of the the last six months. Uh, initially, they were they were getting very excited that they'd sold uh, the club to uh, Middle Eastern investors, uh, Middle Eastern investors who uh, didn't actually have any money. You know, it was it was a so fake shake. situation then, basically. Um, well, I mean, at least Portsmouth was sold. I mean, they, they, here, but they never even got as far as the sale. It, it was classic fake shake news. Yeah. And then um, a 29-year-old Spanish, and I use here the inverted commas, businessman, who also <laughs> used to be a professional boxer, uh, um, whose, ho- whose family owned a hotel in a vineyard called Eric Alonso. Uh, he was initially at... Sheffield Wednesday at the start of 2021. So we're only talking six months ago. Uh, by all accounts, he tried to buy the club from the uh, Delphon Chancery, the owner there. They Those two fell out for reasons what, what we, we can't actually quite fathom out. Uh, he, he then claimed he was trying to buy Cardiff, which came as a surprise to Cardiff City. Um, <laughs> and then it was, it was being announced that he was uh, going to buy Derby County. Um, and that seemed to be very positive. But you know, I, I was talking to journalists and I was talking to people in, in the Far East where he has business interests. And the consensus was he's, he's a fantasist. And uh, you know, that culminated with him showing on Instagram uh, pictures of this uh, Beverly Hills uh, apartment, which was worth tens of millions of dollars, uh, with, with the clear inference that uh, it was uh, it was his pad, and he was a bit of a bit of a bit of a uh, you know, billionaire playboy or sure. multi-millionaire playboy, um, until yeah, fair play to the fans, they did a bit of due diligence, and it turned out to be pictures from somebody else's house and nothing to do with him at all, um, and and that deal collapsed, um, and you know there, there's a lot of fun to be had. Uh, from other clubs yeah but if but if it's your club if if yeah if you are i think bolton was different there was nothing but sympathy for bolton but mm-hmm. you know what what derby county have been through um and then what sheffield wednesday have been through being sponsored by a taxi company that owns no taxis uh <laughs> yeah was it it's it, it's like a, a soap opera and and for, for somebody such as myself who's who is ocd I'll, I'll be perfectly frank with you when it comes to to football clubs finances i'm, I'm putting stuff out and i'm thinking well, well nobody can take this seriously you know people are going to be thinking i'm just i'm just putting together random words in a sentence uh when when things of this nature uh, appear and you know we had uh, uh tom ince's mum being employed by derby county um as an academy scout on 700 grand a year <laughs> Well, we have a situation, similar situation at Bolton. Am I correct that Ken Anderson's wife was a director of the company, taking some fees, or, or is that? Is I, that I don't. I don't think she took fees, but the uh, and, and I, th- I think didn't, didn't Ken Anderson used to go and date Olivia Newton John? Look, if you look at the uh, what is it, Lee Anderson's wife's dating history, then nothing surprises me with that family. So that could well be the case. Although, in fairness, Olivia Newton John, I don't know. Can anyone be drunk for six months straight? I don't know. Does that what does that work? <laughs> Yeah, so so yeah, Lee, Lee Anderson is uh, well. He he was paid for his 
agency company super agentness <laughs> is that what we can call it um and, 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 and i mean the great thing is at least we're able to have this conversation now and and have a bit of a giggle about it but at the time it was horrendous you know it, be, was because terrifying. um yeah as somebody that attended some of the town hall meetings at uh, at Berry, and you know, I, I know there's not a lot of love between Berry and Bolton, but I've always taken the view that you can't have a rivalry without rivals. And okay, yeah, and the differences in the divisions means that the clubs haven't played each other sure. uh, for many years. But there was, I don't think there was any joy from Bolton fans when when oh, uh, Steve Dale, fi- you know, finally managed to achieve his objective of destroying uh, Berry Football Club. Uh, and equally, there was. Yeah, you know, I, I, I lived on. You know, I lived in the south side of of Manchester, and I used to go running around Macclesfield when I was when I was a runner. Uh, so I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go through Moss Lane. Well, yeah, that that club was destroyed by a, a combination of the owner and the EFL targeting uh, Macclesfield Town for constant points deductions for non-payment of wages, which I perfectly understand. But there seems to be an inconsistency. Macclesfield Town were getting points deductions, but other clubs who weren't paying wages weren't getting points deductions. So, you know, how on earth they 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 reach their conclusions as to as to who to prosecute is is baffling at times. Yeah, it does seem to be rather arbitrary but uh that, that's that is the efl for you and, and while i agree with you I, I, you have to concede that it probably is a very very difficult job that it's quite easy for certainly myself who has no involvement in, in the game on that side to be able to just point the finger and blame them as, as a governing body it's uh it's you know it, when, when you've got as you say it's like a casino for these people is it not because especially going into the into the championship you could probably get a club for a cut right uh, cut price compared to the, um the premier league and then you know you have one good season suddenly you're, you're playing with the big boys it must be an incredibly attractive opportunity to any chance who decides to, to go down that route it, it, it is I mean I think you're absolutely right Tom to to use the analogy of a casino um, and the trouble is what we end up with is is because of the huge differences in uh, in in revenues between the championship and and the Premier League and, and I know there's the issue of Parachute payments. Without parachute payments, Bolton Wanderers wouldn't exist. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, you know, they 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 are they are a, a, a very very inefficient solution to a, a much bigger problem in football. Well, we we were obviously panicking because it's all, we're going to get onto this topic when we talk about Bolton's accounts later on. But when someone mentions soft debt to me, I, I shiver because the soft debt of what was it 180 million that was owed. To Eddie Davis once we yeah. got relegated, which everyone had said is not a problem. You know, Phil Gartside said is not a problem. That suddenly became a problem. So I, I, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest to learn that parachute payments kept us afloat. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, you know, it was it, it was it was just really messy. But uh, you know, th- there are there are too many clubs, and the the northwest appears to be a beacon for problem clubs. Uh, I don't know how well Bolton fans are monitoring what's happening at present, but uh, there are issues, and I'll say no more than that, to do with Rochdale, who, whose uh, most recent manager, I think I think lasted two weeks, uh, as, as a Swindon's Towns, uh, who never actually conducted a training session. Uh, and again, there are ownership challenges. Um, you know, bi- bi- business takeovers are, are a common feature of many industries. But uh, when it comes to football, the uh, 
the dollar signs and 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 in in terms just going back to your analogy in respect of the the casino what happens is that people twist on 19 mm-hmm. and then they walk and they they walk away from the table yeah if it, if it if it doesn't win they they take they take huge risks uh you know as you know Ken Anderson Ken, Ken Anderson took risks with other people's money which, yeah, which is which I'm, is, which I'm is looking great. at it now yeah, as I'd, well I'd, I'd quite happily do that oh yeah well, absolutely. It was it was it was money loaned at a ridiculous interest rate. If memory serves, and yeah. then once it once it once it started to get twitchy, he could flog Rob, Hol- Rob Holding. He could then flog Zach Clough. He could then flog Gary Medine for for an extortionate price. No, no one no one's denying the fact that Cardiff were completely and utterly mugged there for the six million that they paid for Gary Medine. But it, uh, it, I, I almost wish it hadn't happened because it, it allowed Ken Anderson to stay as long as he did and lead us down in, into League One into the current situation that we find ourselves in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I suspect Bolton fans could write a book on the Ken Anderson regime, and and if one of them does, I can assure you that I'll be buying it. <laughs> well, a lot of people bought your book, and which is leading on to my final question before we do move on to to talk about the, the recent accounts at Bolton and in your opinion of them. Um, do you, does it surprise you that you that there was that niche in the market that, given the the issues that have been sort of plaguing football in terms of finance for years, that it took until twenty twenty for someone to write such a comprehensive study of of the, of the issue? Um, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not so certain about it because um, I, I would imagine if anybody w- was pitching the book on ultimately an accountancy textbook on football, the reaction would have been, "Well, who's interested? You know, people go to football to forget about money." So, um, and if I'm perfectly honest, I, I wrote the book for for my students because they kept mithering me to say why isn't there a textbook on on football finance and i'm going well because nobody's got around to writing one so <laughs> sort of, so they go well why don't you go and write one and um it was it, it took me two and a half years to to write it because i had to sort of build up a database of of the accounts of every single football club uh, in the country uh, yeah, both England and Scotland, just to get a feel for things, and then some of the big clubs overseas. Uh, and and I sent sent it in, and it's, it's it then becomes your baby. You know, I'm I'm not in in any way a creative artist, but you, you do become quite possessive of it. And the uh, especially with OCD, probably. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, then then I sent it into the publisher, and the publisher said, "Yeah, it's okay, but it's." Uh, it's a bit dry. I'm going. What's the accountancy textbook? <laughs> so he said, "Yeah, but you're, yeah, on 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 the podcast and when you do you do TV and media work, you sort of make, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm relatively light touch." So I said, "Oh, okay." I'll, I'll, so I went went away and rewrote it, um, and then he, he got back to me. He said, "You can't do that. You you, you cannot call Mike Ashley a wanker in an accountancy textbook." No. I, I think in general, I think quite often. And and he says, you know, it's now far too flippant. Uh, so so they're never they, satisfied, are they? No, no. So I, I sort of, you know, and, and and I, you know, I I grew up in the, I was fortunate enough to grow up in in the fanzine era, uh, you know, and I remember reading the first When Saturday Comes and mm-hmm. all of those types of magazines when when they when they first came out and and they were a breath of fresh air and and sort of you know very much the 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 change of football you know the Nick Hornby era where football became more 
diverse in terms of you know women started attending um there was uh that sort of terrace wit became really witty uh and uh you know some of the some of the the less pleasant issues uh, associated with football you know in terms of racism and and violence you know, I, I used to go to you know, i follow brighton home and away since 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 the mid 70s and you know to be perfectly frank you get you go you go to some trips and and the aim was to get away you know without getting too much of a battering so so that part of football has has changed uh so yeah i i the, the book the, the book was the book's been a pleasant success um and and i i'd, I'd really like to claim that i was an, i'm a nicer guy than i am because people have said oh you, you you gave all the royalties away to a uh to a, a food bank charity that's that's really magnanimous of you and well i i, I did that because i expected it to sell 100 copies and therefore yeah. uh you know and 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 if if by the way if anybody's ever thinking of writing a book don't because uh the royalties <laughs> you get uh, i think i think i got i think i get about 7% of right. the of the of the purchase price so you know you get about 70 or 80 pence so, so okay yeah if it, if it sells 100 copies which is basically my class yeah that's that's what it was aimed for uh then uh you know i i, I can pretend that i'm a really nice guy uh, but actually the food bank charity uh will get will get 70 or 80 quid if they're lucky um and then it it, it went to number one in amazon in terms of sports books uh and and my wife was going how, how much is this costing you i'm going i, I don't want to ask uh but you know uh, oh dear you know, big, big, <laughs> has it all been smoothed over now karen <laughs> yeah 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 bigger picture Pe- people who are in far more need than i am benefited so uh you know that's uh, that's that's where we've ended up and uh it, it has been crazy because uh gordon brown the formal prime minister he bought a copy and then he phoned me up and i'm going and I'm going. When, when he did phone up, I I thought, of course, it was a spoof phone call. Yes. I thought this is one of my mates who's putting on an accent, and I almost can. Can I swear? Of course you can. <laughs> I, well, I I almost said fuck off, you Scottish twat. <laughs> you don't fool me with that. And I just just pulled back, just pulled back on the lever. Uh, you know, because I, th- I thought this was somebody trying to well, it's Gordon, it's Gordon Bruni. Yeah, yeah. and, and I thought, blimey, mean, that, 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 I'll tell you what, whoever's, whoever's doing that. And th- then it turned out that it was uh, the former prime minister himself, uh, because, yeah, because he's no longer an MP. He, he normally is civil servants to brief him. So he was, he was sort of using a combination of the book and, uh, you know, my, my obsessiveness. And, and that's what it is. You know, I, I, I'm genuinely OCD. My, my family will confirm this. And, uh, uh, yeah, when when a new set of accounts comes out, I'm I am like a kid on Christmas morning. Well, I suppose someone's got to be excited about it, haven't they? Don't get me wrong. I have to say, when I saw that the um, the announcement was made that the yeah, that the accounts have been released, I even I was excited about it because it's just such an unusual thing for to, to happen with Bolton in such a timely manner. Um, so I think yeah, the, probably the perfect opportunity to go on and, and talk about it. The first thing that I noticed, apart from the fact that it came out on time. Was that it was described um, by Cal Gills, who are the accountants who who conducted this process as a, as a clean audit. Now, to, to listeners who don't necessarily follow this particular thing, my my understanding of a clean audit is that there were all information was disclosed and there was nothing, no like uh, hidden 
you know, skeletons in the closet like they might have been in the under the Anderson era. Uh, am I correct in reading it in that way? Yeah, yeah. Effectively, what cowgirls have said, um, and, I, and I used to teach kids from cowgirls way back in way back when, um, when I, when I, I used to teach accountants who, who were sort of trying to take their exams. Um, effectively, they're saying that as far as they're concerned, yeah, the directors appear to have kept correct records, which is which again big step forward. Um, and that's not always the case with clubs. Um, and, uh, you know, whilst it's going to be tough, uh, they still think that there's, uh, yeah, there's enough information to say that they think the club can, you know, probably carry on. Uh, yeah. And, and you've, you've got to, uh, you've got to give the, the new owners some credit. You know, they, they don't have the experience of running a football club before, and they certainly don't have the experience of running a football club in a global pandemic. So no. th- the fact that we are having this conversation and Bolton and Wanderers are still in existence is, uh, is to give them the credit. The, the, the accounts um, aren't, aren't great in, in the sense that, you know, the, the club is losing money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the club has significant debts, but debt is not a problem in itself it's servicing debt you know if, if if you've if you've got a big mortgage but you can cover it on your monthly repayments then 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 you're okay um so you know i, I think uh, the from, from my point of view as, as as a third party who who doesn't have uh you know I, and i try to be as objective as i can i don't have any axe to grind against any of the parties that they they've been prepared looking pretty professionally which is which is a step forwards remember ken anderson didn't 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 pay the accountant so therefore nothing got published in 2018 and 2019 and yeah you know, I'm, I'm not getting out the world's smallest violin for the accountants here because we all know ken ken anderson didn't pay an awful lot of people no exactly so so we, we can't we can't compare the, the results to anything really going back to 2017 um but uh, you know, looking at these, I would say first of all, you, you've got to give credit to um, the Bolton Wanderers fans for for for, for getting behind uh, a football club who was was pretty crap. But it, yep. it 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 didn't matter that they were pretty crap because at least they were Bolton Wanderers. You at yeah, least with all due respect, it, it we've been used to that for a decade, so I don't think it would have changed anything. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, you know, the start start of last season when when there were just a bunch of kids going out to represent the you know the, the town that you love. Yeah, uh, and and it was men against boys, and, and you know I'm, I I spoke to uh, I spoke to Mark Palios at Tranmere, and he said we got no pleasure whatsoever when we played Bolton and, and gave him a, a slip ring because it it wasn't right, you know, and yeah, we, we, you, you take the points because you, you're given a fixture card, and and uh, but but what what went on at the start of last season was was pretty horrendous. So, um, yeah, the, the numbers are poor compared to 2017, which is our last set of real accounts that we have mm-hmm. in in terms of of the money that's coming in, um, and and you know clearly the club has made losses as well. But but then it was it was going to make losses. Exactly. 
I, th- I think, um, sorry, if I just go through s- some of the numbers, because I've got obviously personal questions myself. And as you may have seen on Twitter, we've got quite a few coming from from the fans in general, because, you know, as I've said, this is quite a, a big deal for us to, to be to be seeing accounts, because you say we've not seen them since 2017. So yeah. ju- just again, from, from a layman's point of view, looking at a, a turnover of 9.3 million and wages being at 7.3, to me, that looks like too close a gap and it will need to be addressed. But given that this was obviously in a year happening before the pandemic or kind of including the pandemic, but not, you know, to its full extent. Would that to you look like the kind of thing that we either need a player to be sold or just requires investment to address? Or do you think the gap might be wider now? Um, I, I think you, you, you've got to benchmark it against uh, other clubs in the division. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the revenue is is actually pretty good. Uh, I mean, Sunderland are in a league of their own, uh, yes. but uh, and remember they've also had the benefit of uh, two years in League One with parachute payments, which is unheralded. You know, yeah. It has never ever happened before in in the history of uh, of the Premier League or, or ex Premier League clubs. You know, we we have had clubs that have gone uh, down into League One and have always bounced back because even if the parachute payments didn't didn't stop their financial fall the first year in the Championship, it was good enough to get them back uh, for a year in League One. Certainly. So, you know that they're that they are they are challenging. Uh, you know the club effectively was losing the thick end of seventy grand a week uh, on an operational basis, but the new owners were they, they were learning the job. Uh, as as they inherited the club and, and and that's that's very challenging because there's always people that will take advantage of you when, when you're new to anything um and i think you know from from my observation is that they they've done as good a job as anybody could have hoped for um and you know clearly last season there was the added benefit of of you know getting promoted and Indeed. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter which division you're in, getting promoted is a great feeling. And I'm, I'm a Brighton fan. I've seen us promoted from League Two, League One and the Championship. And yes, I went berserk every single time. Um, <laughs> going up from League Two is, is a great feeling. And you, again, I think the, the fact that you've got a, a solid uh, set of people behind the club who uh, you know, want the best and... Uh, you know, they they could that could they communicate better? Yes, they could, but then we all could. Um, I, I think these are these are reasonable figures in in what's a really tough world. Oh, that's very very good to hear. Um, I'm, I'm looking at also because we got a few questions about the administration as well. Uh, the 3.7 million to unsecured creditors that's due this summer that the club says it's it's on track to accomplish. Um, how much of that do you think? Uh, uh, administration fees and also do you think if they are on track to repay that does that mean more loans are coming in in your view well, well I, I, I we actually got a phone no not a phone we, we, we got a a question on this on 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 the price of football podcast which i'm which i'm not trying to uh, persuade people to listen to by the way if uh, yeah if, if, if you've got a problem sleeping at night and you want to hear a, an old man talking about amortization <laughs> That could be that could be the answer to your prayers, but you're going to that, advertise yourself as white noise. <laughs> that's right. Um, but all, all noise matters, of course. Um, so, but uh, what 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 we had in terms of the proposals to 
uh, make these payments is um, some uh, an asset uh, an asset purchase agreement. Now, whether this is somebody buying an asset from Bolton Wanderers, and I think this was one of the issues which, which has caused some consternation as far as as uh, as uh, Bolton fans are concerned. It's it's it, it, it's one of those things which I think could be resolved. Uh, you know, I think the owners have to accept that following the the Holdsworth and Anderson experience, there is a degree of scepticism, and scepticism is good. Uh, you know, if if we just accept things without question, uh, you you can end up in in a in a very messy situation. Um, so I, I think perhaps uh, if the club just came out and, and explained. Uh, and put put fans' fears to rest, then then that would be a positive. Um, but yes, you know, the, 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 un, under the terms of the administration, uh, in terms of settling your your football creditors and your non-footballing creditors, and again, I think we have to give credit to the football authorities in, uh, in ensuring that the the old system where you could just go and put a club into admin. Buy the assets back from the administrator 24 hours later, and completely stiff your creditors. You know, that has been addressed with the with with the threat of uh, points deductions if you if you don't pay people 25 pence in the pound. But yeah. you know where where's that money coming from? That's that 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 does uh, that does lead to scratching of the head. Um, you know if 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 uh, FEW do have assets which they're proposing to sell or they are going to use alternative funds to to reach those uh, to reach those payments then i can't see any negatives in them just saying here we have a plan um i think there are you know and you're closer to this than i'm and i apologize to bolton fans yeah but i i'm i'm you know i'm an outsider here uh but uh, have, it's probably good to have your view on that as an outsider, though, just a bit more, you know, uh, perspective than, than we're able to give, because obviously it terrifies us thinking about the possibility of the club going back. Yeah, um, well, I, I, I think I think it would benefit uh, everybody if if the club just came out, yeah, you know, put something out on the website or, or held a meeting with some of the uh, you know supporters groups and said, uh, this is what we're planning to do. I know that there have been meetings historically. Uh, but perhaps there's been, you know, perhaps the fans group didn't quite understand some of the things we were saying. Um, and uh, if, if if you if you if you treat people as adults and, and treat them with respect, you know, the, the fans the fans aren't there to cause trouble. You know, the the, the fans are. What why why do we go to football? We we go to football because it's this incredible love affair. It's a lifelong love affair. And and for for Bolton fans there. They have a club which which represents them, and then it gives them lifelong memories and, and experiences. Um, and it, it it is it is actually part of your family, and, and you don't want to see anybody from your family suffer. And, and if if you feel that there's a threat to them, um, then then you're going to be protective. And I think this, this is where uh, you know that the club could perhaps just just reach out and say, this is what we're planning to do. That yeah, we're limited as to what we can say, but. Uh, you know, we we feel that we have, have we've made appropriate steps in in either a securing the sale of certain assets or b raising funds, which will then allow us to meet our obligations in terms of coming out of the administration and and making sure the the twenty five pence in the pound is met. Yeah, just to, <coughs> sorry to talk about the administration there. One of the 
the questions that we got was from our only and first one of the contributors to Talana Vienna. And he asks, in, in regards to football administration, is it now a closed group jobs for the boys process rather than professional firefighting and rescue team we expected? I know that you've said you think the process has improved, but he also asked, what is, what is his view of the admin process at Bolton? And particularly some of the very expensive consultants that we used. I think there was one person who was part of the process who <clears throat> excuse me, took um, quite a big consultancy fee in a similar way to what Ken Anderson did, which I think Ian's referring to there. So just as yeah. the general overview of how you think the process was handled. Um, there are some firms of accountants or some firms of, inso- you know, some insolvency practitioners who uh, specialise in football. Um, if, if you take a look at what happened at Wigan, and I think, again, it's sort of fell out with them a bit, but because I've got a big mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah, to, to be charging £2 million in fees on you know, fo- football administrations are not easy, but they're not they're not overly complex. You know, if, if you're ultimately all businesses involve money coming in and money going out. And, and if, if you stick to the fundamentals, then then, then you should be OK. Um, and that's the same when when the business is administration. So. Do we sometimes have to use agents and consultants and pay them fees? Yes, there are. Um, do some of those numbers appear to be pretty, pretty hefty for the the number of hours that goes in? Yes, but but that but the the argument that will be put forward by the consultants is this is what we do in the football business anyway. Mm-hmm. So just because Bolton Wanderers in administration, why should we give you a discount uh, on on a, a number and ultimately? Yeah, we we are advisors and we have we can say we generated this amount of cash for the club. Um, if you'd gone somewhere else, you might have paid a lot less in commission and ended up with a lot less uh, in terms of the gross sales. So uh, it, it, it's, it's really difficult because um, what we have with, uh, you know, sort of the, the football intermediary, and consultancy market is that it's it's relatively unregulated. All that you have to do uh, these days, if you want to be a football agent, is to uh, fill in a, fill in a form at the FA website, and I think pay them five hundred pounds plus VAT, and that's it. Away you go. It's a very just giving you an idea. Right there, my word. You'd think a bit more regulated than that, wouldn't you? Though it, it, it isn't surprise you to learn that all these problems occur when, when there's such low regulation for those kind of things that where people can get involved in football from any kind of background. But uh, you know, such 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 is life. It, it is, and and again, you know, I'm, if, if people think I'm a, a spokesperson for the football authorities, uh, it, it's genuinely not the case. Uh, but you know, I've rightly or wrongly, I've, I've I've ended up in conversations with people within the football industry and they said we we are no longer living in, in a in a domestic environment we're living in a global environment when it comes to the recruitment and sale of footballers so you know, what's the point of having agents who have to go through a series of uh, checks and balances and hoops uh, here in the UK when you might have a player who is represented by somebody from overseas in another country where they've got a light touch regime. So so FIFA's response to the fact that in some country, I mean, there used to be more regulation here in the UK, uh, but there was less regulation elsewhere. Um, and so FIFA's response was, well, let's just have no regulation anywhere in the whole of the planet. And that creates 
a level playing field. But yeah, you know, that level playing field is, is very. It means less work for them. I think is what it means. Yeah, Which yeah, makes and, it and easier and for them, doesn't it? Really? Uh, yes, it, it does. Uh, FIFA are now trying to address the issue. They're trying to put a cap on uh, the amount that uh, intermediaries can can charge in respect of deals, but it it looks as if that's going to court. And my experience of seeing what's happened in in respect of uh, football football cases going to either they normally go to some form of internal arbitration and, and that that's actually quite good in a way because it speeds up the process um but there are only one set of winners in all of these legal cases uh, it's not the football authorities it's not the footballers it's not the football clubs it's not the football club owners uh, and this isn't a criticism uh, because I've, I've i've met some uh, sports lawyers who are absolutely fantastic people um, on on an individual and collective basis, but yeah, the winners are the lawyers and the accountants. People in your industry, I suppose, big win. <laughs> well, I'm 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 not. Don't I'm take, I'm, out, I'm a teacher. Yeah, no, if, of course, yeah. of course. But you you, you understand my I mean, People in your pro, uh, yeah. previous yeah. profession, I just think it, it, I think it's, it's becoming you know a, a very well probably a very lucrative um, thing to be in at the moment. It it it, it is. Um, you know, if, if I if I'm if I'm invited to a party, which which you know d- doesn't normally happen, if, if you even if you, even if people historically know that you've been an accountant, um, you know if you ever do get into a conversation with them and say, well, yeah, what do you do? So I'm an accountant. They they do one of two things: a they ask you to fill in a VAT return, or b they walk out of the room. So you know it does, doesn't really seal the deal. If you're uh, if, if you know if, if you know if saying when I was younger, I might have been attracted to the other person. Um, never really got me very far. So so. Yeah, yeah. If, if if I tell yeah, you know, if, if I tell them I'm a university lecturer, it, it, that carries a lot more kudos. Until they ask what to go and teach, as soon as I say football finance, they ask me to fill in the VAT return or walk out the room, <laughs> or ask you who support and then leave the room. <laughs> That's right. Yes, yes. What, what do you think of the Glazers? <laughs> no, fair enough. That's a whole other thing. This is this is the thing we could literally go down any kind of avenue with this. Because it is such a such a wonder. I'm aware of who my audience is, so I'm going to try and keep it a little bit yes, more sure, sure. focused yeah, on, on, on the Bolton situation. No, no, honestly, not your fault. I'm, it's my own personal interest getting the better of me as a host, if you know what I mean. Um, so again, having another back look at the figures. Um, another things that I picked up. There's a 4.6 million pound loan note to directors, which was sort of mentioned in the same breath as the money owed to the Eddie Davis Trust, which Eddie Davis Trust money has been characterized as soft debt i believe um but this 4.6 million loan notes to directors has not and there's also no mention of an interest rate on, on the, um there's also a loan to michael james's firm which is 5.5 million at the start um, when it was first taken out and is now worth 6.8 million so a 23 percent increase and still rising there's a 2.5 yes. million secured yes. loan to brett Walden, the repay date no interest rate no start date these to you all these loans piling up yes it it is it is a cause for concern and it would be the cause of concern for for you know normally any business but in respect of a business which has been in existence for a year to have 30 million pounds worth of total creditors um Mm -hmm. is uh is something to be a little bit twitchy about and he said well hold on if it's if it's got a load of yeah, if it's got a load of uh, liabilities it must have a load of assets as well 
But when when you start to look at the assets and you say, well, you know, well, one of the assets is goodwill. Well, you know, you you you, you go into a shop and say, can I have a, a cup of two hundred and fifty grams of your best goodwill, please? And people go, well, well what is it? It's so so. You know, goodwill is a it, it, it is an is an asset in accounting only. It's not a real asset. Uh, Bolton have also got ten million pounds worth of. Uh, what we refer to as intangible assets yeah. in the form of intellectual property. So that's the name. You know, so the, the, the owners have spent £10 million on the name. Um, that, you, you can't sell the name in its own right. So, you know, the, the balance sheet does not look particularly strong mm. um, unless, unless we take the view that you know the likes of Brett Warburton, the owners themselves, yes, they have loans in theory. Uh, you know, Chelsea in theory have loans of 1.4 billion pounds from Roman Abramovich. Is he ever going to call in those loans? No, and, and mainly due to the fact that if he did, the club couldn't repay them. So I, I think we, we just have to be a little bit cautious on both sides um the the assets of the club and that they've got 16 million pounds of intangible assets um they're they're difficult to turn into cash yeah with the exception of some player sales um and, and the liabilities yeah they they do look alarming yeah we, yeah we see these other creditors these loan notes and so on and, and the numbers are alarming um and you yeah, know the fact that you know attracting interest at five percent per annum on the loans is is never great, um, but uh, we are we are operating in really tough circumstances here, uh, and we still have a Bolton Wanderers to support. So yeah, we got um, a question from Philip Shortland, which asks, how much does Kieran agree the priority of any rescue drawing up the balance sheet rather than taking on further secured debt and loans? And also the second part of it. Was does total debt of thirty million plus exceed the asset value in both cases? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think to a certain extent we, we've just been through that. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to address the balance sheet uh, again. If if anybody gets an opportunity to see uh, a Mark Palios masterclass, uh, I've, I've got a huge amount of respect for Mark in terms of his approach to uh, football club survival. Um, yeah, yeah. The, ba the balance sheet is a cause for concern. Uh, the, the liabilities do exceed the assets, and some of the assets themselves, as we already said, are are ones which are yeah, which can disappear quite quickly and and have close to zero value. You know, good goodwill is is only is is only really there if 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 a if an organisation is successful financially. Uh, they. You know, effectively, the, the the naming rights or the the intellectual property rights are are again are you know, an, an asset in name rather than uh, true existence. So um, there there are there are things to be be yeah, be concerned. Yes, be be not sleeping at night. No, uh, and and the reason why I say that is is although the the, the liabilities are significant. There appears to be no evidence of creditors calling them in, and the fact that we've got you know thirty million pounds worth of total liabilities, but 
uh, and I hear I use the word in inverting columns, only eight and a half million of them due, due within the next year gives a little bit more wiggle room. This, this is what I was going to come on to. If you look at sort of the timeline of um, repayments that the bottom are expected to, to do, obviously they can be renegotiated as, as with a lot of loans. But at the moment, it's 3.7 million due this summer, so 2021. 4.6 million due August 2022, uh, followed by another loan, uh, which is, will be over 6.8 um, million in August 2022. 5th of August, uh, sorry, so August uh, 2023, there's another 5 million. And in the same month, another 3 million. It, it doesn't look particularly feasible for a club in League One. So in your view, how would that be financed? Do you reckon it would be um, renegotiated? I, I think I think it would have to be, and, and we do see this in football quite often. Um, it's it's in nobody's interests to try to force repayment at times um, for a business which is starting to generate cash. And uh, you know, one, one would hope that the creditors will also take into consideration that we are. Yeah, we are living in extraordinary times at present. Yeah, something which none of us in this conversation or any other conversations would have ever envisaged in our lifetime, and and that's sort of that's sort of huge impact upon the aspects of of you know so such a broad aspect of our life. But for a for a service company, service sector company such as Bolton, that's that's operating in the yeah, let's be honest, entertainment and hospitality. That's what a football club's you know. Involved. I know we think of it as professional fault. It's entertainment and hospitality, and, and you know, unlike many other parts of the entertainment industry, who've managed to put staff on furlough, have managed to, you know, or they'll, they'll simply say there's no job for you anymore. Um, what we have at, at Bolton is uh, that they've got to pay the wages. Now, you know, the, the wage bill for 2021, um, I, I expect, will you know be substantially lower than than the wage bill for 2020 but it it was yeah, seven and a half million pounds in uh 2020 uh yeah by by league one standards that's yeah that's pretty high uh again you know not 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 compared to the likes of of Sunderland perhaps but uh, again that they are a they are a, a unique case um, I'm a- Imagine given money that um, Wigan have now got coming in, theirs might be exceeding that as well, and, and perhaps Ipswich too. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think uh, yeah. I'm I'm looking at some some wage data here. Uh, you know, Portsmouth's in League One was seven point four million in the full season. You've even got the likes of Fleetwood with seven. So so Bolton aren't yeah. They're not hugely excessive, but then you know we, we're looking at Walsall, Shrewsbury, Rochdale, Blackpool, AFC, Wimbledon, all in the four to five million bracket. Um, so, you know, Bolton's Bolton's wage bill, they, it certainly wasn't the smallest in the division by 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 a long chalk. Team in that season finished bottom. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't quite represent value for me. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know, how how much of that went on footballers' wages, and it, and it does say here. Uh, and it, it, again, this is something we, we need to to acknowledge that there was also the hotel. So, you know, Portsmouth don't have a hotel, Fleetwood don't have a hotel. You've got 72 staff members at the hotel. So that's going to suck up some of your wages. So, uh, you know, to try to get a true comparison of, of Bolton Wanderers and, and benchmark against the rest of the division, I, th- I think is challenging. 
So you mentioned the hotel there, Kieran, obviously with 72 staff employed. And I have no understanding as to how much money you know those people tend to be making. But um, are the accounts available for the hotel? Are you seeing whether it's making money or not? Uh, I've, I've not seen the accounts for the hotel yet. I, I know pre, uh, pre-Ken Anderson, in effect, it, it was losing money. Uh, and, and if we're honest, the, the, the vast majority of staff there will be on minimum wage you know, apart from the management team, you know, it, it, hospitality is, is a notoriously poorly paid industry. So, so that, you know, but you know, even if you've got 70, 70 people on you know, minimum wage, it's, it's still going to uh, it's still going to cost you, you know, tw- probably about one and a half million pounds in wages. If they're, if they're on you know, 70, 70 people on an average of 20 grand is, is one point four million. Well, again, like I say, I look forward to having you back on the podcast to discuss the hotel, possibly, as and when it gets open again and uh, people are being able to, sorry, we're trying to get money into the door. Yeah. Um, but we shall see. It should be a money spinning thing for the club, really, you know, good location, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, let's hope that we can we can take advantage of that. Um, I'll get Pelters on uh, on Twitter when this podcast comes out if I don't ask a few more of the Twitter questions. So I apologise sure. in advance yep. if we've if we yep. covered some of these. Um Nigel Cook asks, please, can you ask Kieran if loans by directors are debt or equity? And also, what is the gearing ratio for the club from the accounts? Um, right. Officially, uh, loans from the directors are debt. Um, but what we do see quite often taking place is uh, directors deciding that they are going to, you know, as, as we saw with Eddie Davis, to effectively write off. The, the loans now whether this is a a long-term intention of directors uh we will we will have to wait and see in due course uh in terms of the gearing ratio uh it's uh it's pretty horrendous in <laughs> fact yeah in, in fact it, you, you you've got negative equity so it can't even be calculated um can, can you just explain sorry what, what the gearing ratio is yeah what 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 people talk about in the gearing ratio they say what proportion of the the business is being funded by borrowing so if, if we use the analogy of a house if you're buying a house for 100 grand and you borrow uh 80 grand from the bank you would say that you are you are 80 percent geared um right. with with bolton the problem that we have is the, the you know football ventures people Sharon Britton and so on they they put in 2.75 million pounds worth of shares which is which we refer to as their equity but the club lost more than that so we've actually now got negative equity uh so yeah the the, the, the gearing is is high I'll, I'll say no more than that but to get you you can't really give it a definitive figure other than that it's uh, it's it's high Fair enough. <laughs> from, from beginning to sound a bit positive at the start, it seems to have gone downhill a little bit, although that might just be my, my rudimentary understanding. One of the other things, again, which you, you'll be able to tell me whether I'm wrong or not, and has also been asked on Twitter, um, is our annual interest rates to various creditors range from 5% to 8% per annum. Is this unusual, given the historically low interest rates we're currently seeing, or are they normal rates in the football industry? Um, they're not actually bad by, by football industry standards, because... There are some specialist boutique lenders now in football, uh, one of which is owned by uh, or influenced by the the American computer billionaire Michael Dell. This is called MSD Holdings. And and they recently lent to Southampton 
who are in the Premier League, and they are charging more than 9%. At the other end of the scale, um, you've got Mike Ashley lending to Newcastle United at 0% interest. So when you're charging more interest than Mike Ashley, you go, mm, well, perhaps it's not quite as great. Um, yeah, uh, Roman Abramovich lends at 0% to uh, Chelsea, we've got Farhad Mashiri, who's in for thick end of 400 million at 0% at, uh, at Everton. My club, Tony Bloom, 300 million, 0%. Uh, the, even the, uh, the the novelty toy brothers at uh, West Ham, uh, they they recently very, very reduced... <laughs> yeah, they, might, they, might, they might be short and listening, but I hope not, <laughs> given some of the things I've already said. Um <laughs> Even even uh, Golden Sullivan, I think they've they've dropped their interest rate from six point two five to four point two five. Um, so it, it it varies it varies very much from club to club. You know, uh, Andy Holt at Accrington, he's he, he puts the money in interest free, uh, as as does as as is the case for I would say the majority of owners. You know, you know I, I, I inferred earlier that there are a lot of there are a lot of bad people circulating the industry. Um, there are also a lot of good people who see their role as custodians of the club rather than owners and uh, you know, do, do an awful lot of good uh, in terms of financially supporting the clubs, especially during, especially during the pandemic. You know, 12 months ago, was anybody saying that all 92 clubs would still be in existence? I can't, I can't recall anybody saying that me, me yeah. included. You know, we, we genuinely thought we were heading for some form of Armageddon and a combination of fans rejecting the opportunity to have refunds of season tickets, owners putting in a bit more money, the premier league, I know the premier league's not popular with many people, but the premier league putting in 50 million pounds of grants and loans has helped us to survive this far but but we're not out of the woods yet i was going to say to you actually it was jamie mercer who asked that question by the way just to give him some credit but what i was also going to ask was whether you think that we've just sort of delayed it and whether that the tsunami of, of issues caused by the pandemic is, is is yet to hit us um there has been an element of kicking the problem down the road um yeah and and also yeah the the government in terms of the the furlough scheme if, if we take a look at the the amount of furlough which has been uh taken by clubs and i think uh, bolton took a fair amount of that themselves um yeah i'm just trying to find the figures here i think, I think they they yeah they but bolton took furlough to the tune of a million pounds now yeah that's that's significant yeah. And again, that will include the hotel, by the way, you know, because the, the hotel was not in a position to generate revenues. Um, so it, it's it's really challenging. Um, and it, it's only by financial support. But we, we have seen that the government now starting to taper when it comes to furlough. Uh, we will see a, a return to fans. So there will be some more money coming in. Our, you know, clearly, fans are going to be expecting to get something for their money this season in, in, in terms of physically attending matches. Um, you know, where are we in terms of, you know, you know Bol Bolton had one and a half million pounds worth of sales of, of pies and booze uh, in 2019-20, up Good to the them. closure of Respect the season. Respect to the fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, uh, yeah, next time you're abusing somebody for who ate all the pies, just, just point out that that person helped. You know, that that's almost twenty percent of total revenues. 
Um, and and that's 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 a spe- spectacular achievement by Bolton fans, and, and my, <laughs> my my hat is tipped in their direction. It's a spectacular achievement that some of them are still around. I think is the bigger point. Yes. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so yes, I, I know we've sort of covered it to death almost, but you know, given what what you've said on this podcast, I imagine that this is sort of you and your element covering these kind of things in in minute detail. Um, you've given us some summaries already, but just to finish it off before we move on to, to finishing up the podcast, Mark Isles in uh, the article, which detailed a lot of these uh, uh, figures that, that I'm reading from, I'm not reading from the actual accounts, it must be said, so you've got a much better idea than I do. Uh, he suggested that the club is in a much more comfortable position than many around them. Do you agree with that? Um, I, I think they are in as good a position as could have been hoped for. Um, there are clubs who had existing debts, you know, whereas Bolton inherited some debts that needed paying. Um, and I think Bolton have got some real positives. And, and I'm not here to blow smoke up anybody's backside, uh, but Bolton do have a really good fan base. You know, and, and that that accounts... Excuse me, I've got Simon Jordan phoning here. I'll take this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have to give Simon a call back. Um, That's a nice little plug there, Kieran. <laughs> I, I know, I know. This is the celebrity that I live in. Go on. Uh, Do you want to pick that name up off the floor, or are you happy to leave it there? <laughs> no. um, I'll, I'll phone him phone back in a tick. Um, one day, yeah, Gordon Brown. The next, it's Simon Jordan. And one day, I'm, I'm an OCD t- teacher. <laughs> this is the world of. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think Mark Mark has summarised it right, and I think Bolton fans, if they don't already say so, uh, they they should count themselves lucky that they they've got somebody such as Mark Isles, who has has stuck to his guns. You know, he he took an awful lot of abuse and and stick from from Ken Anderson during the regime. Uh, I, I sort of got to know Mark, but I, 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 I'm not even sure we've ever spoken, but we certainly do communicate a lot uh, through through either Twitter, you know, DMs or, or, uh, or, or WhatsApp. Uh, but in, in Mark Isles, you've got a guy who just wants to be a football reporter who, who had to learn the finances the hard way. Um, and I think the way that he, he, he stuck up for the, he stuck up for the, for the, for the right people and, uh, as much as he could. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're, you're as good as you can hope to be. God, that's good to hear and also yeah uh, full credit to mark ours he's, he's a he's a friend of the podcast has come on many times and uh, as you say i think we've got one of the one of the best local journals knocking around in our corner so that's good yeah because i i think i think both he and i uh were mentioned by ken anderson uh in in program notes and, and i'm yeah that's that's something i'm not necessarily familiar with um should be a badge of honor that I, it, it, it was a badge of honor uh, yeah, along along with being sued by uh, the owner of another club, uh, not that far away from Bolton, um, we can all we can probably make our assumptions. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's it, it's it's sad that people will use these things to try to stifle uh, legitimate concern and debate. Yes, but it's it's because of um, concern and debate that they end up losing out. So it it doesn't yeah. surprise me at all that they do that those things. But here we are, we're still you know fighting the good fight, as it were. And um, you know, your book, I think, has certainly opened people's eyes to this. And maybe I think it, what what what's brilliant about it, and again, not to blow smoke up your backside too much, but I'm very very grateful for for, for the book's existence and for you coming on. 
I think it just means that the average fan like myself has a much better idea of when to be concerned and when not to be. And I think that can only be beneficial down the line in stopping more rogue owners like Ken Anderson coming into the profession. Um, I, I, I would I would like to think so, but I'm honestly not so certain because the trouble is, you know, when a burglar comes into your house, you only normally find out when you get home. And yeah, that could be a few hours later. And, and the ability of these people to get into clubs, uh, as as we've saw, have seen with Charlton, as we've seen with Wigan, um, and to cause horrendous damage again, you know, Berry Football Club. Uh, you know, I I I would be absolutely delighted. Um, and uh, don't take this wrong. If if I never get asked to go on to another club's podcast, and also if my podcast dries up because frankly people are bored because all we've got is good news stories. Uh, yeah, both Kevin and I, and, and I'm very lucky to work with an absolutely brilliant broadcaster in in Kevin. He's 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 an absolute delight to work with. Uh, we never knew it was it was going to get this bad and this crazy when when we when we took it up. Well, speaking of crazy, and um, I think we'll finish with this because I did have a couple more um, Twitter questions. One of them asked about the the north south divide in football, and um, that that was Nathan who asked about that. But I think. Um, Given that we're Bolton, Bolton fans or the people listening are Bolton fans and you're a Brighton fan, that might cause a, a, an argument that, that maybe will ruin this lovely relationship that we've managed to build up over the course of this podcast. So I might I might leave that one there. Well, one thing, well yeah, you, I, if, you, I, I, if you'd I've, like to I've talk seen, about it, feel free. Um, I, I've attended court hearings for Brighton to be wound up. I've seen Portsmouth go through. Swindon presently are. Swindon haven't paid their wages. We saw Reading not paying their wages recently. Um, football originated in the north, um, and you know anybody that's read about the history of the development of the professional game, uh, who who comes from the north, should be really proud of of its origins. Um, I, th- I think what binds us uh, is far greater than what keeps us apart, though. Absolutely, and that that is that is the love of football, and also you know hopefully going back to Stadia, which I think both you and I can agree on, it's going to be absolutely fantastic that first time we get back in. Although I suppose you you've been back already, I would imagine over the course of the pandemic. Yes, I I I I was lucky to go to a match at the end of last season to, and this was you know we had we had nine thousand fans at the Amex, um, and uh, I think it's fair to say it was. Uh, we're playing Manchester City. They, they scored after 30 seconds, and there was I've, I've never. And because, of course, you're not allowed any away fans in. We, we weren't even sure the ball had hit the back of the net because they <laughs> were high fiving each other. Then, then they went. Uh, then they went two 0 up, and, and then we came back to beat them three two. And then, and when we scored the winning goal against the the, the Premier League champions, uh, losing one shit was something that I'd forgotten was so enjoyable. And, and that, <laughs> Hugging that's... strangers, falling down the stairs. Yeah, yeah, limbs. Yeah, and, and that's what it was. And, yeah, we've seen we've seen that with England. Mm-hmm, uh, absolutely. You know, the, the impact and, and the passion. Uh, this 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 is why we love football. It, it's it's not for football finance. It's not for governance reasons. I think we've always hoped historically that the authorities would do the right things and and the owners. Yeah, we wouldn't necessarily like them, and they might they had a few shady characters. And you know, they, you normally expect your your football club owner to to be wearing a sheepskin coat, to uh, be running a car dealership or a road haulier or supplying slightly dodgy meat for local school meals. Uh, 
but at least they were part of the local community and, and they they understood the importance of the club to the to the locality. And that, that's one of the things that sadly no longer exists and, and football is not necessarily the better for it. And well, that's going to lead into the final thing that I'll ask you before I let you go. I do want to do a little shameless plug, though, because uh, even though, as I said, I've not been able to watch my team over the course of this year, I did manage to see us at Cheltenham and make myself a little bit Twitter famous with uh, running down the touchline to uh, fist bump my, um, our captain, Anthony Sarsovic. So I, I, I like mentioning that as many times as possible because it was, it, was, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure you I'm sure you can relate, as I've, as I've gathered from, from you being being a massive Brighton fan. It, it was just great to watch your club again and I can't wait to do it. But the final point, and it's a question asked on Twitter by Mongolian Mank, which shows you how far wide and reaching <laughs> our, uh, our our Bolton fan base is. Um, he says, what does he think of the European Super League clubs receiving such a light punishment for their plans? Yet other clubs such as Bolton, Wednesday, Pompey, Wigan, Leeds, etc. Getting destroyed by the EFL with big points deductions and embargoes. Um, the European Super League was horrendous power grab uh, on an internet on a european basis just as project big picture was a horrendous power grab domestically by the way by, by by those same clubs um or yeah domestic. Uh, ultimately what have they done they've threatened to do something and they've been told that it's not acceptable and they they've got back in their they've got back in their cages um if if there had been significant points deductions for Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool and so on, and then in five years' time there was another European Super League, what do you think the fans of those clubs would do? Because they'll say, well, hold on, you know, we, we could have joined the Super League five years ago and we stood up against it. We, we stood united with the fans of all clubs mm-hmm. and we got it overturned. Next time they'll turn around and say, well, you 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 gave us points deductions you screwed us over fuck you and we're not good and, and we and, and and the super league will take place so the, the the super league clubs didn't actually do anything with regards to the premier league that broke any rules yeah that good good faith yeah that yeah there's 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 some slimy assholes who, who run football clubs but that's that that's fairly universal um was it was it odious was it did it destroy the romance yeah and we, we know that the romance isn't really there but we fool ourselves um so i i felt actually it was it was probably proportionate with a warning given you know given that they will now that the premier league has put into its rule book do it again 30 points deduction and 25 million pound fine or or the other way around whatever it is so so now now we know where we stand previously they hadn't actually broken any major rules in the rule book apart from just being odious and and being odious in football is you know you've got joey barton and craig bellamy you know and they, <laughs> they they managed to survive yeah, very, very true. I think well, if we're going to have a podcast about who's odious in football, we'll be here until the end of time. Um, but yes, no, I, I, I think it's a very interesting take of yours there, actually, because, you know, being a, a club who's suffered, um, suffered financially and suffered from the wrath of the, the EFL in terms of points deductions. Um, it, and when you saw people coming out and saying, don't punish the fans for something that the owners have done that does leave a rather bitter taste in your mouth because any points deduction hurts the fans more so than it does the owners. But um, no, I think I agree with you. The fact that there is now some regulation in place, knowing that if they did decide to do this, this daft thing again, that they would be punished very, very heavily. 
they'll certainly think twice. And and also, I think we can both agree on how fantastic was it to see it blow up in their face almost immediately. Yes. Yeah. And, and to see those absolutely cringing apologies, which oh, they, it's brilliant. you know, John, John Henry, he had no idea what those words meant because he's never said the word sorry before in his life. <laughs> Probably reading from a prompter. He got an intern yeah. to do it or something like that. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, Kieran, I think I think we'll leave it there because we it has been an absolute pleasure and I know I've kept you for longer than we originally agreed, but um I hope you can agree that it, it was it was certainly a worthwhile venture to, to to go into it in such detail. And I just want to thank you on behalf of Bolton fans for giving us a lot more insight into uh, the world of football finance, into our own club's finances, so we sort of know what to look for going forward. So thank you very much. Well, oh, and well, if thank, you'd like to plug you. yourself, by the way, by all no, means. No, I, I I don't uh, I I, I I want to, I want to, I've had my fifteen minutes of fame, and, and I and I genuinely don't I want to go back into just being Mister Anonymous. And it, it's uh, uh, you know I'm uh, I've it, it's it's been fun, but it's been fun too often for the wrong reasons. You know the Manchester City point you know ban, the Super League project big picture, Steve Dale, Ken Anderson. Uh, what's happened at Rochdale and Swindon and Charlton and Wigan? Uh, you know the, the the car crash. That's the National League. Uh, Reading paying two hundred and twenty six pounds in wages for every one hundred pounds of revenue they bring in. Yeah, all of that stuff. Football, just sort yourself out, and you know, it's, it's for the sake of my marriage. You'll be doing something good. <laughs> Football, sort yourself out and put Kieran back in the classroom <laughs> rather than on the podcasts. Uh, thank you very much, Kieran. And thank you very much, everyone, for listening to episode 165 of the Line of the End Street podcast with special guest Kieran Maguire. We'll be back, as I said at the start, to cover Bolton Wanderers' pre-season and also the start of the new Skybet League One season. So thank you for listening and we'll see you later. <laughs>